Hi and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And I'm back in the UK. Hey! Or is it all? Oh dear. No, it's... I, I'm still... I'm still... I, I'm on day four of my 10 days house arrest period. <laughs> and um, I think they call it quarantine actually, Paolo. Oh, sorry, sorry. And I'm getting a call every day uh, from the UK government and they repeat every day that the person who calls has been trained to maintain all the privacy issues and that uh, I should quarantine for 10 days and they asked me if I had my test. I did. It was negative. Now, you see, actually, if they were smart, they wouldn't need to call you. They could just snoop on where your phone is. Yeah, but probably they don't have access to my phone location. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, you mean this is what the blue van parked downstairs is all about? (laughs) What do you think GCHQ do with their time all day? Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're listening to this right now. Well, I'm on their lists already, I reckon. Um, But, uh, yeah, anyway, it's... uh, I'm not sure it's good to be back, but I'm back. It's... the, the, tra- the traveling was actually pretty good. Um, it was... Uh, it's like the good old days when, when poor people didn't used to travel, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, the, the the flight was actually... I flew with BA from Venice for like 40, 50 pounds. So the, f- the flight was cheap, but you have to buy a test before leaving, two tests once you arrive. There is an optional other test if you want to... to you know, be released on parole on day fifth, which I didn't <laughs> buy. But anyway, it was like three hundred pounds uh, just of testing. Um, Poor. Yeah, yeah, pretty steep. I mean, considering that if w- going the other way, when I went home to Italy, the testing on in Italy was free; it was provided by the national healthcare. Um. So yeah. Anyway, it's good to be back. And you've had some excitement looking out your window. Yes, yes. Uh, yesterday, um, the, so the street uh, where I live, there it's a, a, a dead-end street, but it's the, where it ends is very near the entrance of the deliveries of the local shopping centre. So every once in a while, trucks go down the street and then they have to reverse to go back. And yesterday was this huge Marcus Spencer's lorry. And uh, it took like half an hour. I was filming, I, I, for our dear listener, I was filming the, the sequence and sending the videos to Yuan. I, I was enjoying it. enormously. Somebody else is suffering. And uh, yeah, so that's I, I got my show. I, I, I must say, it's a pretty good place to be stuck at home alone because uh, you can get everything delivered in this town at (laughs) any point so i'm getting deliveries all day long and uh, yeah i can't leave my flat but it's not a big deal it's really interesting how much that's just become the way we do things isn't it i mean uh you know that's why amazon's making money hand over fist and people have just in some cases woken up to the fact that you can just get stuff delivered really quickly and really efficiently and why bother going out you know it's it's gonna be tough for the I noticed the local um, towns are giving free parking just to try and encourage people to go back. And I think, you know, people enjoy wandering, well, other people enjoy wandering around shops. Um, 
and and I think they're thriving again. But it's just interesting again how how the balance is changing a little bit. Yeah. Also, stuff like you know ordering groceries, for example. I used to schlepped all the way to Waitrose, uh, you know, every couple of weekends just to buy a bunch of stuff. You're so posh. Um, well, because usually I go to Marks and Spencer, which is just downstairs. But uh, yeah. but you're still posh. But uh, it's so convenient to do it online. I'm never going to go back there again. I mean, well, I has like- it got better? Because we stopped it. We used to do it years ago and then stopped because they were always doing weird substitutions and ran out of weird things that you'd think, why not did you run out of that? I mean, to be honest, I only did one order. Uh, they did a couple of substitutions which were not too bad. Um, the, the problem I, I used to have was that uh, everything I would get was uh, had a you know best before date, the day after, uh, which yeah. was annoying. And it's actually this is one of the things I used uh, to decide if I'm going to buy something or not, because you know being alone, I need to have something that lasts for a few days at least. Yeah. Uh, but this time everything was actually pretty pretty good. So well, cool. Maybe maybe they're getting their act together again because it's it's more pressure and there's more people doing it. But maybe, or maybe it was just lucky. I mean, I did an order with Waitrose, <coughs> which arrived the morning after I landed. Uh, I did another one with Ocado, which is supposed to arrive tomorrow. I mean, the mm. the, the the websites, the, the Waitrose website is actually quite good. I'm, uh, yeah. It's a it's a nice experience, and you know, it remembers everything that you bought, even if you went to the store. Uh, so pretty good. So that, see, that's interesting because <clears throat> I, w- I was hoping we could talk a bit about um, Facebook and uh, and tracking, and it's really interesting in that context, isn't it? Because we want services to be as frictionless as well. I was going to say as, as possible, but <laughs> that's the point. There's a limit. There's a limit to the price. I'm certainly willing to pay to to have that frictionlessness. Um, and it's it's interesting just where Apple have introduced this new security level where they're not stopping you doing anything, but they pop up and say, you know, this app. And just, just to be clear for the listeners, it's not within Facebook. It's not the app itself that's tracking it. But it's it's that, that app tracking you doing other things on other apps um, and things like knowing where you are and, and other things you've looked at on the browser or whatever else. It's, it's quite quite nefarious. You know, they're peering into all sorts of places. And, uh, you know, the, the argument is that that makes it more likely that you'll be fed adverts for things that you're likely to want. And I suppose up to a point, people might might want that. But, uh, you know, the cost is just so high in terms of just complete abandonment of privacy, you know. I think that uh, in, in my mind, the, the main distinction here is uh, how much aware you are of being tracked. So take the the Waitrose example. I, yeah. I the the first time I went to the Waitrose website and I signed and I logged in, and I basically found there the list of products I had bought in person at the shop last time I was there, and I was a little bit surprised. I said, "Oh right, so they're mm-hmm. tracking mm-hmm. this. They're, 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 they know everything." It, of course, they know because credit I, cards. That's what they're I, for. Yeah. No, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I loyalty was, cards more than yeah, credit exactly. Cards, yeah. I was swiping yeah. my loyalty. I, I was telling them here, this is me. Keep track yeah. of me. So, I mean, I was a little surprised, but it's fine. You know, when I'm swiping my loyalty card, I 
I'm telling them who I am at the cash register. I'm expecting them to save my information. And I'm actually, I think that is useful because uh, when I'm shopping online, it's actually useful to have a list of everything I bought before because it's very likely that I'm going to buy things again. It's actually a good service. Yeah. The problem starts when you are getting advertising and you don't know why this is happening the problem is what when you're starting to give information to facebook and you don't know that you're giving information to facebook yeah so from that yeah. point of view apple put in an alert that basically tells you do are you aware that this app is capturing data are you happy with it it's a it's a it's just a way to let people make that decision and just just to be clear again it's not data within the facebook app it's the other apps that it's looking at it's other yeah, functions it, on the it's phone very, that it's looking at it, it's basically tracking uh, it's just fine for you to to for other organizations to track your behavior while you're using these apps i mean did you read uh, um, i think that signal this yeah, week yeah. they they tried to run that uh, campaign with ads that basically were showing the profiling information about users yep. and uh, and uh, facebook's actually stopped it because because you know they don't want it to be evident it's not if you want you can go and see why you're seeing an ad based on facebook profiling information but i think that most of the time people just don't realize how much information they have about you well, it's, it's interesting as well because I, I you know, I um, last week we were talking about podcasts, and I was saying I'd sort of pulled back from listening to so many tech podcasts, and how I'd unsubscribed from um, MacBreak Weekly for the first time in nearly twenty years. Well, I'm back, and I'm back partly because Leo Laporte, who runs Twit, has introduced subscription uh, payments, mm -hmm. and just as a vote of confidence and, and seeing how it goes, I, I decided to pay the £7 a month, or is it $7, might be $7, for the whole of the Twit network, and that's like dozens of, of different podcasts. Um, and it's because he has become uncomfortable, as many podcasters do, with the amount of tracking that advertisers ask them to do on their behalf, mm -hmm. and the amount of data about listeners that they are increasingly being pressured to pass on to advertisers and the advertisers won't work with them if they don't do it sort of thing. And just in the context of these increasing issues and, and increased awareness about the issues, uh, he's decided, and he, he always wanted to make it subscription, but in the early days, not enough people were willing to pay. And of course, now he's got enough, you know, he's not stopping doing the advertised, paid for by advertising stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have to say, I'm enjoying listening to the podcast without the interruption of the ads. It's interesting. This morning, um, I published an updated version of the Good Morning Italia app, which is a news uh, service that I, I'm collaborating with. And um, because it was a new version of the iOS app, app, I actually went through the process of telling Apple all the information about, uh, you know, tracking and what we track and what we don't track. And I realized that we track very, very little in the app. I mean, essentially, we're asking for an email address to create an account and Ooh. that's it. Uh, we're not tracking behavior. We're not tracking. I mean, this is a subscription-based news service. So you pay three euros a month and you get the news that's it and it's surprisingly 
nice <laughs> to yeah. be able to 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 you know have this kind of relationship with your customers because you know yes we are trying to observe you know what people enjoy more or less because this is helpful to offer a better service but um, very often we just ask up front so do you like this or do you not and I completely appreciate that that is only capturing a small part of the you know interest and behavior of users and that there's a whole bunch of users who will not answer questions that are still valuable users and you know understanding better what they do is useful for the company but uh, not having to profile them and to basically try to steal information or to decode information that's great it just feels uh, refreshing and and i think that uh, you know more and more companies are going in that direction and if you know if you think about how many subscriptions you're paying these days you know that's uh, that's fine it's interesting actually i was listening to a podcast uh, from the omni group um, who make omni outliner and omni focus and whatever and ken chase who's been around in the industry a long time and a very staunch advocate for uh, privacy and, the, and the, the issues behind it and so he was involved in the podcast but there was also a lady from the EFF the Electronic Frontier Foundation who are a group of lawyers and activists who keep a track on the way the internet is developing and, and try to keep keep people's rights at the forefront and uh, she was making the point that actually you know, a lot of the data and the statistics doesn't make a huge amount of difference anyway um, I can't remember the actual figures but it's a bit like the old advert about was it the, the, the marketing guy commenting that you know I, I spend all this money on adverts and I know that it hits 30% of the customers, blah, 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 but I just don't know if it's 30% or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was uh, Harry Ford. Harry Ford used to say that. Yeah, I know that only 50% of advertising works, but I don't know I don't know which yeah. 50% well, works. Well, the, the point of this lady was making was it's not that much better nowadays, um, even with all of this. And, it, and it's interesting how, I mean, I'm sure I've ranted about this before, but with Amazon, you know, going back to the delivery thing, you know, I'd ordered a book that I, I ordered it on, what day are we today? Thursday. I'd ordered it on Tuesday and it said it would be delivered the next day, Wednesday, by 10 o'clock. And it wasn't. And the first thing was just how bothered I got by the fact that they hadn't managed to get it instantly to me, you know, because I'm so used to it. Um, And, and so the, the book arrived today. And so that sense of, you know, increased expectations, I want it and I want it now, even Amazon are sort of sometimes fall on that one. But the other thing I was going to mention was that I got a, a I looked at the website and um, uh, things that we think you'll like. The top of the list was some depilatory cream for removing hair before you. <laughs> I'm thinking, the girls have been using my Amazon account again. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. Sometimes the, the the even even without the intrusion of of my daughters, the, there are days when the Amazon algorithm just goes completely weird, and you think, "What on earth made you think that I would be interested in that?" So it's, it's flawed. It's fraud. Okay. I mean, it's it it it's not perfect, but I think that it does work much better than uh, advertising in the time of Harry Ford, in the sense that. Uh, you do have a lot of uh, feedback and uh, and it it is effective otherwise you know all these companies wouldn't be there i mean google and and facebook are good at finding customers and and i think that to some degree 
this is a positive thing. I mean, this is much better than having advertising, you know, put in front of your face at any point, whether you were interested or not. I mean, the fact that they are trying to push stuff that is potentially more interesting to you, of course, it's not perfect, but it, it's better than random, which is what it was before. So this is an extreme view, but, you know, it is a truism that the, the whole advertising and marketing business is based on convincing you that you have a need, that something is lacking, there's something missing, which very easily spills into you're not good that... enough, you're not successful enough, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't mind if nobody advertised uh... to me at all, frankly. Um, I, I mean, look, if advertising what was what you say, I would agree. I don't think that this is what advertising it. I mean, this is what advertising can be, but in it, it in its most basic form, advertising is trying to inform customers about the existence of a product which they need. And I think that, and I think that this is essentially a good thing because you might not know that the product that you might want exists. And if there is a way for me to let you know that this product exists, this is not a bad thing. It's, it's, and, and I, th and you know, I work with a lot of companies and these companies are try are using digital advertising and they are doing it with different level of success and they're not doing it because they're trying to convince people that they are insecure and thus they need to buy their product they're doing it because they want to find you know the best potential customers for their product and to be honest facebook works pretty well yeah no i've heard that argument i mean yeah. my 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 brother is uh, is starting a new enterprise and they are selling um you know those protective uh, plastic for iPhones and for phones and uh, you know to him advertising on Instagram and Facebook is a great thing because you can just find people who have a phone uh, who have that type of phone and you can tell them look if you want to protect it so that when you drop it the screen doesn't doesn't crack you know you can buy this product which you might not know exists you know there's nothing wrong with that they were not trying to convince them they are poor insecure fuckers and that they if they don't buy this protective um, thing they're going to you know their their family will abandon them so does so so does he avoid so does he avoid having any sort of prettier than average models using the product or more ideal than other yeah, than no, average we, homes as the backdrop or we, no we, we can't really afford any, any <laughs> but that's that. but that's the, but that's the point a, I mean, it's, a, it's a very yes okay I, I, as somebody well we were just talking about me perhaps doing something uh, that might involve exchange of monies <laughs> and my real discomfort with remotely getting involved in selling marketing anything remotely related to that um and i may, may end up not doing it because i can't attract anybody to the funny thing in the first place but it is such a slippery slope because you then do start to massage the images and the well you were trying to get me to massage the messages paulo and, and uh, I, I wasn't <laughs> trying to get you to massage i wasn't i was look you know when i started working in advertising 30 years ago i was working with a uh, I, I had my own little studio, but I was mostly working with a 
larger agency uh, in Trieste that has been around forever. And I was hanging out a lot with this guy. I think he was in his 60 oh. and I was like a 18. And, and, and at the time, to me, that was, you know, generations. Well, it was like two generations between us. And, uh, and the passion for advertising, and this was a little bit, you know, the, the first generation of, uh, at least in Italy, of modern mm -hmm. advertising. Those that came out after the war, where very often the collaboration between industry and the advertising uh, community created products. Because uh, because you had uh, brilliant people in the industry that had potential that you know they were finding new materials and it was you know this time where plastic yeah, was yeah. a good thing, and it's uh, and on the other side you have these advertisers who were passionate about uh, the product and the ideas and they were all working together and they created whole product lines. And it was naive as much. I mean, you, you look today at advertising from the you yeah. know fifties, yeah. and it, it it's, well, you say it's, naive in some ways. Naive. It's just uh, straightforward, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But it, it's already at the time there was some you know tentative manipulation in you know trying to make things look better than they are. But you know, See? coming See? from uh, having somehow inherited that background. I'm thinking, you know, advertising can be a very honest thing. And I think that the more dishonest thing you can do is try to push product to people who don't want it. And, you know, yes, sometimes this is what advertising is. But sometimes find lowering the threshold and trying to get people to try something or trying to get people interested about something try to capture the attention of somebody long enough that we can deliver a message which doesn't need to be manipulative it can just be i just please listen to me for a second so that i can tell you what i'm trying to do and why i think that this can be useful for you this is also advertising and marketing and there was nothing wrong with it i hadn't heard this is going to sound odd but i hadn't heard you actually describe quite so bluntly that you had started in advertising i didn't know it explains a lot oh yeah i mean <laughs> and and this is why episode 42 <laughs> is going to be the last episode <laughs> of the state of that podcast oh absolutely i i was i mean when i was uh just to give some background, because I'm sure at this point all 42 of our <laughs> listeners are very interested. So is that good we are, um, Mark? It's, uh, I, I grew up in a family that was in technology. My dad has a, one of the first distributors of third-party products for the Macintosh. So I grew up with computers at home. But I'd like to use computers. I didn't like to sell computers. Um, so... When the Macintosh came out, of course, I was in love with this thing immediately, and I start immediately started to use it to use it to do you know graphic stuff and design, and mm -hmm. then uh, at some point I dr dropped out high school and I started my own little advertising studio, and soon after that I started working with this agency, and I you know. Actually, I had been hired by this agency to teach one of their girls how to use uh, Quark Express. <laughs> Interesting. And she didn't want to use Express because she was a page maker right, user. Right, again, nostalgia. And uh, and so she was she was resisting. 
but at the end, I did manage to convince her that Work Express was better, and so she started using Express. Uh, and uh, a few years later, I asked her out, and then sometime later, we started a company together. And then at the end of 1992, we got <laughs> married, and we still are. That's amazing. What? <laughs> so yes, no, yeah, the series all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I have a background in advertising, and I, I, I like the history of advertising, and I'd like a good piece of advertising. Well, same thing. Just you describing getting into it through that path of of PageMaker and whatever, it is, and um, Quark Express, and you know, just the conversation the other day with somebody I know who who was wanting to set up, as the language now has it, a microsite, and the other person that she was going to do this with had a background in it air quotes, professional communications. So, of course, this woman wanted to pay an agency and wanted to set up a, you know, pay quite a lot of money to build a big thing. And this person I know was just saying, well, we'll just we'll, we'll throw it together ourselves. And that, that was just a completely alien concept to this, this lady. And, you know, again, I think it's, it's so, I, I, you know, I get the idea that it's not a wrong to talk publicly about you doing something that might be of use to other people. Um, it's like everything else, isn't it? The professionalization, the perils of professionalization. Once it starts to become an end in itself and a thing, and then other people feel they can't do it themselves, it sort of spirals out of control and becomes something else. Uh, but look, I mean, I, I can't say that these, you know, advertising agencies in the 50s and the 60s were not professionals and they were not delivering a service that could, people could not do by themselves. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they were trying to manipulate people. Or if they were, there wasn't any ill intention. So I, I think that, yes, advertising has a very bad reputation. Is it? They were manipulating them kindly. You know, as much as we are manipulating each other as we are having this discussion and we're trying to convince each other. That's, 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 just, that's just got the whole wrong image in my head, Paolo. I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> uh, yeah well it's tr okay so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to convince you did you did you hear that that uh big electronic store chain in the in australia has withdrawn the air tags yeah because of the batteries yeah because the children eat batteries <laughs> but did you hear it's 20 <laughs> children per week end up in er because they swallowed a battery. It's called evolution. I mean, there must be something wrong with these, well, parents. It does seem an unrealistically large number, doesn't it? I, I, I don't think. I think it's bullshit. I mean, I, I think that it's. A, do we, do we want to start about how, how, how bad journalism is? Well, there's that as well. Don't, no, don't start that. But it, so, yeah, no, don't start that. Yeah, let's keep this for the next episode. <laughs> No, I'm going to do it anyway, because it's that inclination to, for people's benefit, inflate, manipulate, promote certain truths over others. It's the same thing. Absolutely. But at the same time, you wouldn't go out and say that all journalism is bad, right? Oh. Most of it is. <laughs> it's getting I, ever closer to that. But, yeah, yeah it, it is. But there is some good journalism. So I, I think that the, 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 
because we have tools of mass manipulation, if you want, and get try to get this idea out of your mind, it's uh, it's easy to abuse, and it's easy to you know have distorted uh, results. Well, and it's partly why journalism has gone so wrong, isn't it? Because it's because there are business models up in the air, and they're and they're so desperate for numbers. And the numbers are being required by their only source of income, mostly, which is advertising. You know, it's, it's the two together that's the problem. I have this endless discussion with uh, my wife where I say they're just idiots. And she says, you know, they're trying to manipulate us. I mean, the reason why they put news this way, that clickbaiting and click And I think, mm-hmm. now, look, I, I, I've met these people. They're just idiots. And and this never stops. And uh, we had uh, some friends for dinner who will remain unnamed um, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and they are journalists and working in big, working in big, you know, organization. They also co-founded a conference. Anyway. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Hi. And, and, and we asked him, so, you know, because we were mentioning the specific big title that came out on a prominent newspaper in Italy, uh, which was just a, you know, fear mongering type of, of title and asking, you know, is, was this manipulation or was it just some idiot? And the answer was, it was just some idiot because and he knows well, he, actually you, you, he you, knows who they are say this is not somebody trying it's just that uh, that there are a whole number of reasons now the question we should ask ourselves is why are there idiots doing titles on prominent newspapers and the, and there are many reasons for that because you know there is not they, they can't get you know good enough people because there isn't enough money because they're business models going down the drain and because uh, they are very conservative and because they, all people can be reclusive. Well, I see, but you're, you're talking to somebody who, who worked for, for 21 years at the Beeb with, with many, 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 many journalists, significant numbers of whom weren't idiots, but their editors yeah, were. But that's a, so, but so, that's so a the journalists would be trying... Um? That's a little bit of an exception. Well, not much. I mean, well, the, the point I was going to make was that uh, idiot is a contextual description in the sense that, you know, the BBC gets its knicker in a twist all the time about keeping the Conservatives happy or not. And, you know, everybody thinks, you know, if you're left-wing, you think they're right-wing, and if you're right-wing, you think they're left-wing. So there's a hierarchy in the BBC is always desperately trying to either be brave and tell the truth or keep important people happy. And that all then ripples down. So some poor journalist who's trying really hard to do his job can't because the whole thing's sort of screwed from the start it's really really complex and hard and so idiot like i say is a, is a... no but uh, look i mean the, the the quality of journalism that you have from the bbc is uh, uncomparable to what you have on the average italian newspaper okay and i mean i i know enough of both and i've been u- user of both sides it it's it just it just no it, it will have all the problems of the world and it's not it's very far from perfect but it's quite good yeah but we're talking about the industry as a whole and you know like i said i know some frighteningly smart people 
people like Matt Fry, who now presents on Channel 4, and I think Channel 4 News is about the only one that's worth watching these days. And I used to work with Matt and, and um, Owen Bennett-Jones, just really, really smart people. Um, Lindsay Hilsom. Um, so I've got no illusion about what a good journalist can achieve. But I think as a whole, the industry is just in a mess and, and, and the standards are falling. And nightly news on the back, I don't watch any of the BBC news programmes because I just can't, it's physical, I can't do it. Um, and I think, you know, newspapers are similarly confused as to what their role is and chasing politicians or advertisers or whatever. You know, I think, and it's partly the internet that's done this, but I think there were other cracks in the system beginning to show anyway. And, and I agree, I think having a good trusted group of people to keep politicians to hold them to account really matters um but I, I guess the point i was trying to make was that that and, and you know one of the reasons the bbc has managed to maintain whatever standards they have is that they've been paid for by a se separate funding so mm -hmm. in a sense it's like it's like leo laporte's subscription you know except with the license fee you don't have any choice but um you know it's not advertising supported um yeah they don't have the stress of trying to figure out how to you know get more readers next week so that's what i'm saying is it, it's the impact and nefarious influence of the mechanism that underpins advertising which is creating like and need at all but, costs uh, but on the other uh, but including on the, the truth but on the other hand i mean as long as uh, advertising was uh, the you know main source of income for publishing companies and for newspapers uh, and that happened for years and years and years until the mm -hmm. recent revolutions uh, everything was i mean it wasn't all right but they had sustainable business models and they weren't struggling as much as, as they are today so what really happened was that uh, you know they went from the, the, uh, uh, an environment where advertisers were engaging with the you know news publishers and they there was this exchange you know you you get the attention of the people because you provide news and i'll try to add some advertising so they might find my product to a situation where you know facebook or google can have the attention of people without the need to provide news and yeah. suddenly the news system find this competitor that can be very very aggressive and arguably much more effective at advertising and suddenly there is no sources of income for now unfortunately this create this uh, spiraling situation where you know they have less money so they cut cost and then their product is uh, shit and they have even less money and they cut costs further and they basically are just going down the drain so that sort of brings us full circle back to the start then because the mechanism that appeared benign in informing us about products that we might find useful and getting better at that has become the same mechanism that feeds us the kind of truth that we want to hear rather than any form of consensual or absolute truth. And where was the absolute truth? You know how, you know how sceptical I am about that. But, but, exactly. You know, so, well, are so are you like longing for the like good old time of absolute <laughs> truth? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's a bit like the share world you know the financial world where the bots just fly around and day trading has huge impacts on the financial worth of things 
just and this goes back to the algorithms, doesn't it? And and you know, again, the lady on the EFF on the podcast was saying that you know the the fact that the algorithms are based on a flawed societal model means you just exacerbate the flaws, and and if you haven't got capable and empowered individuals cause, having some kind of checks and balances on that, it's getting all depressed, Paolo. Uh, yeah, maybe, or maybe everything will be better when we will have better AI to provide check and balances. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, no, I, I do, do, tend do, to think that, do, yeah. do, do we trust which, which better or might not uh, be But true. who decides what's better, Paolo? Well, and what the, AI, the AI overlords will decide. So is that is that a, is that um, uh, Wally where we're all very comfortable yeah. and happy but massive? Yeah, totally. Right. I, okay. I trust. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure that the overlords will find will find these recordings and they will come and find us wherever we have been shut. <laughs> well, you're you're already locked up, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And on this note. But, well, yeah, was, 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 yeah, wasn't too depressing, was it? There's a, a, a glimmer of hope. When the aliens take over, we'll, we'll be all right. I'm sure. Somebody said that when the aliens will come, they will only find cockroaches and Keith Richards. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.